What's up? Welcome to the Fit Trials Podcast. I'm Tori. I'm an online fitness coach possessed by cultivating fitness transformations. I take the exhausted, tried everything individual and breed them into a healthy lifestyle machine. With guest appearances from other entrepreneurs in all industries, we tackle the trials and tribulations of fitness and business together and have a little fun in between. So if you're ready to level up, let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Fit Trials Podcast. I am your host, Tori. You can find me on most social media with at the Fit Trials. If you haven't been up to date on current news, there is a download that you can get from thefittrials.com. It is a pantry playbook full of 60 food brands and products that I and my clients use to help make fitness more streamlined and effortless. So if you feel like that's something that can help you, you need to know what to eat, you need to know what food ideas can make fitness something that's less calculated in your life, head to thefittrials.com to pick yours up. I am here today with a very special guest, my mom, who is an MRI CT technologist and has been for 30 years. And I thought it would be super interesting to bring her on and have her talk about how your weight management and um, health can impact your experience when you go into for an MRI and how it just impacts you from a longevity perspective. So I'll have her introduce herself, tell you her backstory, and we'll tell you all about how health and MRI can be related. Thank you so much, Tori. Thanks for having me on. And uh, hi, everybody. Yes, I, I was a MR technologist, still currently practicing, hoping for retirement one of these days, and got started uh, interested in helping people many years ago as a candy striper. Most of you won't even know what that is. You had a little pink and white pinstripe pinafore and they let you into the hospital after some training. And we got to really just kind of fill the water pitchers <laughs> and deliver flowers. But um, it intrigued me and made me feel very good helping people. And that's what got me into the health field. Um, as far as MRI and CTs, uh, MRIs uh, and CAT scans, I've seen many facets of health uh, in my career for both modalities. And it's very sad uh, in my career as we've moved forward over the years, I've seen a lot more obesity and in a lot more young people, especially very concerning. Um, people are losing their way on keeping a quality of life. And uh, I will have someone come in for an MRI of their ankle and, you know, 24 years old, weighs 280 pounds and uh, I'll tell them about the procedure, you know, very quickly and then say, well, what did you do to your ankle? And they seriously will look me right in the eye and say, I don't know what I did to my ankle. You know, they weigh 280 pounds. Gee, I don't know what you did to your ankle, either possibly stressing it out for over too long, possibly put a stress and strain on that joint, and the joint will never be the same. Um, I see all ages of people that get into that where they, they get too heavy for too long. Um, it really starts to impact their health, how well they can move, uh, their esteem, their quality of life. And uh, it just speaks to what today's world says about fitness. If only our fitness industry and nutrition industries were bigger than the healthcare and the pharmaceutical industries, <clears throat> we'd possibly really be going somewhere. 
But uh, Tori and I talked earlier today about, um, you know, even on the insurance side of things, how expensive healthcare is right now with the way obesity is still climbing. Unfortunately, the costs of healthcare are, are going to get even more out of control. And I would certainly think that at some point down the road, um, doctors might start giving prescriptions for uh, fitness possibly uh, somewhere instead of just a straight out, here's a pill to fix your sugar diabetes kind of a thing. Um, fitness really speaks to effective cost uh, control in healthcare and overall with all of us. So when you think about losing some weight to feel better, it's way more than that. It's so much more than that. It's not about just feeling better. That's one of the biggest kudos of it. But for your long-term health, your cost in medicines, uh, what, uh, you know, I feel very bad for young people because what you you young people are going to pay in costs by the time you get to my age, um, it's quite frightening. We've really got to get a control over the obesity and, and how it affects the healthcare and, and the costs that come with it. Absolutely. And I totally agree that there are so many ways. There's a lot of anti-pharma sentiment in the industry right now because um, a lot of people don't want, and a lot, especially my generation, are trying to get away from um, Western medicine and just applying, you know, a medication or something like that to address a symptom of a problem and not addressing the root of the problem, which is all centered around lifestyle. And there are obviously risks associated with both being underweight and overweight or obese. How have you seen weight management impact the health of those that come through your clinic in both of those <clears throat> facets? Well, um, uh, particularly for CAT scan, um, years ago, we gave every person that came through the door for a CAT scan, depending on what abdomen or pelvic procedure we were doing, they would need oral contrast, contrast that you drank so that it coated the bowel and you could better differentiate between the tissues in the abdomen. And, um, in recent years, um, we do not give oral contrast anymore unless the patient's BMI, their uh, body mass index, is so low that we are fearful that we will not have enough around the intestines to be definitive on tissues there. So it's really shown over the years in my career that obesity has gone up because when you have enough fat around the organs, oral contrast is not necessary and we don't give it anymore. I mean, there, that's just one of the ways I can tell you it's changed. Um, in my career, gastric bypasses were never seen in a CAT scan department. And now, unfortunately, they're quite frequently seen. And it's not old people. These are younger people that are having this done. And it's changed their lives forever. They can't eat the same. They can't do the same things. Um their digestive patterns aren't the same. And they come back in after the gastric bypass and they're still obese. The fat, uh, the BMI um, uh, index uh, compared to what their weight is and the obesity and percentage of body fat, you know, people don't want to admit that the BMI is certainly relevant. I am here to tell you in the medical field, it is very relevant. Um it's not the only thing, obviously, but it's not any one thing when you look at nutrition and health. So, uh, you know, when I look at these 
these folks coming in with these gastric bypasses and then they're coming back in a year later because things still aren't working like they should. They went through all of that and they're still obese. They still have the fat around their bellies and things because it's not just about diet. It is also about fitness and moving. Um, it's just a big lesson that we're, we're learning as a planet. More and more people are jumping on board and that's a good thing because I don't think the healthcare industry down the road can afford to continue the way we're going right now. It's just going to be too expensive um, and not good for anybody. So absolutely. I completely agree with that. I, I recently did an episode talking all about BMI and its legitimacy. I have a post that is scheduled to come out to kind of summarize those points. Um, and it definitely confirms the fact that although BMI isn't applicable to very certain populations like the elderly or someone who's especially athletic, who has very dense muscle and dense bones can score very high on BMI. But for the general population, it is absolutely applicable. Um, And it's not something to just brush off and say, oh, like BMI is telling me that I'm obese. Like BMI isn't correct. That's not the case. We can see that it does have a role to play and it is an important statistic in in assessing global trends and assessing trends among a population and applying it to the general population as um, an indicator of a facet of health. Um, So I totally agree with that. Something that I see often is that people don't necessarily take responsibility for their own actions that have led them to their current fitness level, whichever way that may lean for them. So like you mentioned with gastric bypass, it doesn't, getting the surgery doesn't resolve the lifestyle habits and routines and practices that got them to that place in in the initial place. Like that does not solve their initial behaviors that just solves where they got to. And so you see it so, so often that people will get gastric bypass surgery. I had a client who was very interested in it for a very long time and actually went in for an appointment to discuss that as a possibility. Um, And the practitioner who was telling her all about it was like, yeah, your life is going to look like this after it's going to be so great. It's going to be this and this. And after she had that appointment, she came back and she was like, they didn't really talk about a lot of the health risks associated with it. Like it was the initial consultation. And so I told her, well, their bias is that this procedure is what's what's going to help you. But I want to ask you, have you done absolutely everything, absolutely everything within your power before you do that? Have you done everything? Have you exhausted every angle? And most of the time, someone hasn't. But it is so easy for us to want to go down that route Because who wouldn't want to go into a procedure and wake up skinny? Like that's a totally human and totally okay want and desire. But there are so many other safer, healthier ways that you can go about doing that that doesn't impact your life in a negative way forever after. So I think that's really important. And I like how you mentioned that obesity, it's, it's not just obesity in adults, it's obesity in children as well. The childhood obesity epidemic is crazy right now. And I can specifically remember my brother and I, we grew up um, with, you know, a mother who is an MRI and CT technologist. And the one thing that my brother and I wanted every single summer was a trampoline. And we did not get one until I was in high school because of all the injuries that That I saw (laughs) that mom would see coming through um, before they had nets and before they had um, 
other things that would make trampolines a little bit more safe. But uh, we didn't have a trampoline for many, many years <laughs> because of that. But I also think it's it's why um, health was instilled in us as children from a very early age as well, having a parent in the health industry, having another parent who's very active in multiple sports. And um, it's very important if you are planning to become a parent or you anticipate having a family or you anticipate being a role model for children as a teacher or as an aunt or a godparent, um, whatever role you play, there are going to be people that are influenced from that. And so even if you don't you know, want it necessarily for yourself, it can be very helpful to know that it's helpful for the people around you. Um, but there is a lot of things that I hear with potential clients or people who have struggled with their fitness for a long time of saying like, I hate this body or saying that they're angry for their body for fighting them um, or blaming other conditions for making fitness so much harder for them and believing it's totally out of their control, saying that um, they have certain medical conditions or certain psychological conditions that prevent them from being as fit as possible. So what do you think about the power and autonomy people have over their health? Do you think it's possible for anyone to turn it around and how would that benefit them if they started taking ownership over their own health? And how do you think that would impact people like you who see, who see individuals and patients because they have injured themselves or, or something like the, the goal is not to have MRI clinics be totally overrun, (laughs) right? So how, how, you, how do you respond to those questions? What do you think about the power and autonomy people have over their health? Um, first of all, I think people are coming around to realizing they do have power over it. There's been too many people out there that have lost weight. There are too many fitness gurus. There's lots of things that we have seen, lots of celebrities we've all watched. Um, people are getting turned on to being healthy. Mm-hmm. Because it feels good, it looks good, gives you esteem, it makes you feel like you have control over something, especially like right now when it's so crazy. It's nice to know we have control over something and knowing that we can control a lot of what our health can look like is very promising to a lot of people. Um, I think the statistics these days on how many people are interested in it and what they're spending on it is incredible. It's trying to get your mindset there to really stick with it. Cause it's, it's not always easy. You're not eating hay for gosh sakes, but it's not always easy. Sometimes it's hard to say no to, uh, you know, a candy bar. If you know, you've had a little bit too much of something, just trying to keep a little more track. It's responsibility. But when you think about taking responsibility, of your health, you're not just taking responsibility, of your health, you're taking responsibility of your finances down the road. If you take care of your health, Or if it's not where you want it to be, get it where you want it to be. Put the effort in. It's not that hard to keep it up. Um, Once you get educated and find the things that you like to get it done. But I'll tell you, as you get older, it's going to mean money. It's going to mean happiness. It's going to mean feeling good about yourself. Like you said earlier, if you have family, kids, people, cousins, anybody, that friends, you can really influence so many people, and uh, we need it. We, our health care costs moving forward. Our planet can't take it. We've got to do something. We've got to pull it around and, and get these costs down lower. The pharmaceutical companies are not going to help us do that. They would love us to spend money on their drugs all day long. Um, 
but doctors are getting more savvy. They're getting asked, why did you prescribe this? Or why did you prescribe that? You better have a good reason why you prescribed it. And um, as healthcare moves forward and they're going to need to prove that they've really directed their patients towards fitness instead of just a bunch of drugs. Believe me, it's going to come around because insurance companies can't afford to keep paying for all these medicines for obesity. That's the bottom line. So we all need to get on board. It's such a good thing and it makes us all feel good. So, but yeah, on the days that you don't feel like it, get somebody on the phone. That's a buddy with you, man, and get through it. But, um, it is, it's worth it. It'll make you feel so good about yourself. And when you see the influence on your kids or on someone that you know is struggling with their weight and things, it's just such a good feeling. So absolutely. Stay and with it, stay with it, stay with it. I think that's a good, a good, um, it speaks to how this plays out for everybody in the long run. A lot of people, especially a lot of people on social media, there's a specific demographic on social media. It's a lot of young people and there are a lot of unqualified people giving out health advice on social media, on YouTube, on TikTok. Um, and there's also a lot of people in qualified medical positions who are also, they have their own biases, like holistic practitioners, um, chiropractors, everyone has their own specific bias. So eliminating all of those isolated branched out opinions, how does this fitness, health, weight management, how does that all play out down the road so many years from now? I know, you know, your perspective being your age and my perspective being my age looks very different. So people who are my age might not be thinking about those long-term consequences of if I don't get this figured out now, this could look really different 40, 50 years from now. So what can you speak to from your experience with friends that you know, or people who are older than you, how, how it all plays out? Uh, well, youth and genetics, um, youth is on your side if you're young in most cases. Um, genetics can be against you. They can be with you. Um, the thing of it is, is you can change either one of those. Um, it depends on what you want and how much you want it. Um but neither one of those things. We, we see 80-year-old skateboarders, right? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be about youth all the time. And, uh, you know, it just depends on how you want to feel, what you're willing to put into it and stuff. But looking down the road, um, gee, I wish I would have taken a little better care of my body, you know, when I think about the broken bones I've had and things like that. But uh, you know what? You try to eat pretty good. You try to sleep pretty good. You try to get up and move and do things that you enjoy. It's about balance. Mm -hmm. And when your body feels good, your world is more balanced. Absolutely. You look at things better. You don't mind being out. You don't feel jealous of your friends. You, there's just a whole multitude of things that just feel better when you feel good. Yeah. When you just feel good. Absolutely. You don't have to be twiggy. It's not about twiggy anymore. People are turned on by by fitness, by someone who looks like they really feel good and feel happy. That's where we all want to be. Yeah, absolutely. And and like aesthetics totally aside, I think that's what everyone really wants nowadays. I think yeah. I think we're past the era of looking like, you know, the jazzercise instructor on the VHS tape. I think like we've totally passed that era. We're even past, you know, the popularity of like physique competitions. I feel like that 
era had its moment and now everyone just really wants fitness just for general health, for like feeling good and for making sure that they have the highest quality of life. There's one last point that I wanted to bring up before I ask my typical question that I always ask um, guests when they come on the podcast, but I wanted to know your thoughts on um, a recent term that is starting to surface about um, it's, it's healthy obesity is essentially what it is. And it basically contest that you can be obese, but you can be cardiometabolically healthy. So your lab work can come back normal. But in the studies that I've done research on it, the mean average, like the mean age has been like 45 years old. So again, those people are fairly young and lab mm -hmm. issues are probably not going to show up yet. So what do you think about that term? And how do you see that changing if those people get older, those people who are um, healthy obese, as they clinically term it. You know what? I, I, this is strictly my opinion. Um, that's hogwash. <sighs> I'm just going to say it. It just is. Um, youth, like I said a few minutes ago, youth is on your side. You can be heavy and get away with it for a while, but it will catch up with you. And it makes me a little nervous when I see uh, models like Ashley Graham and some of those folks that are quite large. And I'm telling you, she's young right now, but you know what? You catch her years down the road, I'm going to flat tell you that is not what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Your lab work is going to go upside down. Your sugar levels are going to be upside down. Um, it affects hypertension. There's just so many things that the bottom line is obesity is just not good for you. Mm. There is no healthy obesity. Mm. Um, there, there's obesity you can get away with. I don't mm. know what would you call that? Get away with obesity, See, but it's certainly yeah. not healthy obesity. Mm. So yes, be careful what you listen to. And of course, make your own opinions. My opinion could be completely wrong. Um, I'm a mom. So watch yourself. I don't think so. It's mom <laughs> data. No, I'm teasing. But um uh, you know, be careful what you're reading here because some of these articles and things that you hear are actually written by folks that are paid by, uh, you know, extra large women's swimming suit company or whatever. I mean, seriously, there's some, there's, there's some devious stuff that goes behind some of these articles and things that we hear out in the media and stuff. So be very careful. Um, if you want to know it flat out, ask your own doctor. How do you feel about me being a healthy, obese person and let him look you, him or her look you in the eye and laugh and tell you it's hogwash? So there's what it'll be probably. <laughs> I think that's actually a very important point because if you ask someone who is part of like the body positive initiative or you ask someone who's a big advocate of health at every size or if you ask someone who is pro-intuitive eating, like ev those people are going to have a very, very different opinion than your general practitioner or from um, a, a corrective exercise specialist, like they yeah. are going to have completely different opinions. A physical therapist, oh yeah. God, like they, I don't know any physical therapists that are pro health at every size or believe in health, healthy obesity. Like yeah. I just don't know anyone. Um, so I think that is very important to take into account. And I'm always telling my clients this, like you're going to have a lot of different opinions. And unfortunately there's like, especially in the U S there's not a lot of standards for who can and cannot 
give out advice. You can call yourself a a nutritionist. That's not a regulated term. Anyone can call them that and Mm -hmm. you won't be under any legal fire um, for calling yourself that, which is why if you see anyone calling themselves a nutritionist, like you should probably be careful taking nutritional advice from them. (laughs) So um, I think credentials is very important. Experience is very important and having your own filters and your own judgment when it comes to making decisions for your body. Um, I have had clients who see holistic practitioners who have prescribed them an entire cabinet of supplements, and yet they are a holistic practitioner, and yet they're pumping my clients full of capsules and tonics and all kinds of stuff. Um, And my clients are spending tons of money on this. So, um, you know, I, I encourage them to make their own decisions, but I think that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast was because um, there are different viewpoints from people in the health industry. It's like, we won't know what COVID-19 looks like in a hospital, but nurses will. So all of us on the outside can have an opinion on what that looks like and how severe it is and how important it is to social distance. But nurses know exactly what's going on. So they will tell you the facts. And and same thing with health practitioners who actually experience, you know, obesity firsthand. Like when you have um, a patient who needs help getting lifted onto the table because they can't do that themselves or someone who's too underweight that they actually need oral contrast applied in order to complete their exam. Like that, that is totally relevant. And nobody talks about that on social media. So I wanted to be someone who actually takes that step and initiative. And that's why it was very important to have you on today. So I have one last question. It's the question I ask all of my guests when they come on is what trial of fitness have you been put through that you feel comfortable sharing about in whatever capacity in physical fitness, mental fitness, emotional fitness, what is something big that you've had to overcome and what steps did you take to do that? Uh, Physically, one of the Biggest challenges I've ever had was when I broke my leg skiing. And I not only had to give up skiing, but it led to other things like back surgery and things like that. And so um, having to give up skiing was one of the hardest things. But in doing that, I found a lot of other things that I did get into, i.e. paddleboarding, which I'm going to here in an hour and a half, (laughs) and uh, got into music and some other things. So uh, you know what? Life changes. Um, Your direction will change. It's always an ebb and flow of whatever. And uh, you know what? Stick with it. If you find something in your fitness program or your nutrition program that you don't like, find something else that you do like. You don't have to give up. And there will be days that will be very challenging. You know, no one can say it's not, but you know what? Anything you do in life that's worth diddly damn mm-hmm. is worth the effort. So what aspect of fitness do you find the most challenging physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, chocolate, <laughs> chocolate, emotional eating. <laughs> I celebrate with chocolate. I'm sad with chocolate. I cry with chocolate. If I have popcorn with the movie, I have to have chocolate to offset the popcorn. If there were chocolate in the world, I'd be fine. Um, But hence there is. And so the ongoing battle continues. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good luck, everyone.
Thank you guys. Thank you again for tuning into the Fit Trials podcast. You can again find this episode on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. Please share this episode with a friend. Please leave a comment. Written reviews on iTunes really help support this podcast. And thank you again so much for listening. Have a good one. Cheers.